Happy New Year! I am Abel, I'm one of the pastors here at HTBB and it's a joy to be speaking to you today on the first Sunday and the first day of 2023. You know, around this time of the year, we often set goals for the year ahead. And if there was a graph of good intentions, January is like the all-time high, right? The gyms are crowded, the fast food chains are emptier. It's time to set goals and then keep them for a while. Maybe you've set some goals for the year but just hours into it, you've already broken some of them. So to cheer you up, here are some anti-resolutions some people have made. I love this one. Number one, my New Year's resolution is to read more, so I'm putting the subtitles on TV. Number two, my New Year's resolution is to stop procrastinating, but I'll wait until tomorrow to start. And number three, my New Year's resolution is to lose weight, but I hate losing. Maybe the thought of another year ahead fills you with a slight sense of dread. You may be thinking, you know, I barely got through 2022. What am I going to do about 2023? Today, I want to speak to you not about the goals that we can make for the year ahead, but about the habits we can invest in for the rest of our lives. We have ahead of us 365 days of time. And if we get to live them all, the habits that we practice for the rest of the year will matter more than the goals that we set today because we don't win a race by intensity, but consistency. And much of our Christian life is compared to a race. The Bible says that we have a race marked out for us. Today, you may be feeling like you've stumbled into 2023 but your life is not an accident. You've been chosen for this race. No matter who we are or what we have, we all have at the start of this year, the same potential of time. But like in every race, it won't be the intention to win that makes a difference, but how you run that matters. In a race, both winners and losers have the same thing in common. They both want to win. There's no shortage of goals, but some are better prepared, some endure longer, and some run further. Only some complete the race. So how do we run the race well this year? I want to read to you a portion of scripture that gives us an insight into how to run this race. So let's read from Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lord, we ask that you would help us to live these words out, that you would help us to run the race with endurance and hope in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, God has given you a race. As we read in verse one earlier, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Endurance. That word in Greek is hupomone, which means to be steadfast, to be patiently enduring, to remain under the pressure. And I wonder if you've already started to feel the pressure of the year ahead. And I imagine that if the author wrote this in our modern language, he may have said, hang in there, show up consistently, don't give up. In other words, it may be big goals that inspire you today, but it's the small habits that sustain you every day. We need goals to set a target for what to aim for. The Bible says, without vision, the people perish. 
but we need habits to set the trajectory for where to go towards. And if you're a pilot, you would know that setting a target and then setting a trajectory are two very different things. You may have a target locked in on the place, but if your trajectory is off by just a degree, you could end up in an entirely different location. At first, it may be just a little difference. If you're off course by just one degree, after one foot, you'll miss your target by just 0.5 cm. Not a big deal. After 100 meters, you'll be off by two meters. Not huge, but noticeable. After one km, you'll be off by 45 meters. Now, one degree is starting to make a difference. If you're traveling from KL to London and your trajectory is off by just one degree, you'd be off by 474 km. You'd actually end up in Paris. And if you were in a rocket going to the sun and off by one degree, you'd miss it by over 2.6 million km, nearly twice the diameter of the sun. All of that just by being off by one degree. But marginal gains are powerful in the opposite way too. If you grow by just 1% every day this year, you'll end up 37 times better by the time you're done. So what are the habits that will keep us on the right trajectory to complete the race set before us? Number one, run in good company. From Hebrews 12, run in good company. This is the habit of investing in who you're with and who you learn from. You know, we read earlier, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's run with perseverance. Resilience comes from a frame of reference. The author here is saying, you can persevere because others just like you, who had much less than you, who had it harder than you, have endured the race. The book of Hebrews was written around AD 65 to some early believers who were young in their faith, who risked losing their trust in Jesus as their Messiah because of distractions and persecution. The author knew that the people receiving this letter would be under lots of pressure. Years before, around AD 49, the Roman emperor Claudius expelled Jews from the city of Rome. Then a few years later, another wave of persecution happened under Emperor Nero, who imprisoned the Christians. Christians were thrown out of their homes. But we don't know who exactly the author is. Tradition widely attributes the authorship to St. Paul. Uh, some have suggested this person could be Barnabas or Luke or Apollos, but we don't know for sure. What we do know is that he loves a good coffee. Hebrews. So imagine a senior runner, someone who has been in the race of life for a long time, who is almost at the finishing line, ready to pass the baton on, and is now giving younger runners like you and me tips on running well. What's his first advice to keep the, this race to run well? His first advice is keep the habit of running in good company. Why? Because resilience comes from a frame of reference. Who you look up to, who ran before you, can set the tempo for your race. And Hebrews 12 starts with the word, therefore. So we need to look at what was said in Hebrews 11 to know what sets up the therefore. What do we see in Hebrews 11? A hall of faith a list of other runners who ran before us. We read of ancient heroes like Enoch, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and David, past runners who kept the faith, who didn't give up their race. Then in verse 35, we read these remarkable words. It says in verse 35, there were others 
who were tormented, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. You know, this list of heroes, they are not all perfect saints. Many of them had imperfect lives. Jacob was a liar. Moses was a murderer. Gideon was a coward. David committed adultery. Rahab was a prostitute. But what this tells us is that God doesn't write people off. He doesn't give up on the people that he calls. You may have made mistakes in the past. You may have messed up or been a victim of someone's mess ups. You can hold on today because God will never let you down. God didn't give up on these people. And Hebrews 12 says, these people are our witnesses. We are surrounded by example after example of people just like us who had less but did more and had the same power available to us. So endure, don't give up. Hebrews 12 verse one says, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And you know, we commonly understand that to mean these are ancient runners who are watching us. They are cheering us on. They're saying, don't give up. But what, what it really means is that they are witnesses to us about what God can do. They are a frame of reference for what could happen if you live surrendered lives to God. So it's not so much that they are watching us, but we are watching them. Watch how Abraham kept going and trusted God, even though he didn't have all the answers. Watch how Moses didn't give up on God, even though it meant losing a place in the palace. Watch how the walls of Jericho fell when the army of Israel marched on in obedience. Research today tells us that when we put into our frame of reference, the people that we admire for their courage and fortitude, our motivation increases. If you surround yourself with friends and cultivate the habit of noticing courage in everyday people, you will find new courage in yourself. Social cognitive theory tells us that we are motivated through vicarious experiences. As we witness the actions of others, we become inspired and encouraged ourselves. We become bolder, more ready to take on challenges. Why? Because courage comes in good company. So I want to ask you a question today. What if the endurance of your run is determined by the company that you keep. Number one, run in good company. Number two, take off the weights. In Hebrews 12 verse one, we read on, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Here, the writer of Hebrews is saying, endurance comes from running light. So if we are to run the race with perseverance, we have to throw off two things. Number one, everything that hinders. And number two, the sin that so easily entangles. I wonder if there is anything that is weighing on your conscience today that you know is obstructing your walk from God. Are there addictions and secret sins that feel impossible to remove? The writer here describes sin as an easy entanglement. At first, it wraps around harmlessly and then it chokes us out. What may have started with a one-degree distraction has the potential to grow into a destructive pattern of behavior. 
But I believe today that God wants to remove entanglements in our lives. And you need only to have faith in the same God of the ancient runners. If our God can shut the mouth of lions, quench the fury of flames, raise the dead to life, part the Red Sea, He can turn your weakness into strength. Nothing is impossible for God. So this year, make it a habit to keep short accounts with God. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But you know, there is a second category of weights that holds us back. And it's so interesting that the author dis distinguishes between everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He's implying that sin can destroy. Yes, there are things that can kill us, but there are other things that can hinder our run. The enemy of focus is not always the bad things that kill, but the good things that can distract. So I wonder if you've ever attempted a high endurance challenge before. You know, if you've done a trek or hiked a mountain, you would have faced an age-old ancient water dilemma. And the dilemma is this. To survive, I need to carry some water. But too much, it begins to weigh me down and deplete my energy. You see, to the long-distance runner, a drink of water is absolutely necessary. But too much of a good thing. Ugh! And it starts to become a daily weight. You know, the same medicine that can Heal, when taken too much, can kill. So cultivate the habit of running lightly. Make it a habit to be grateful for what you have and to remove what you don't need. It was Will Smith who once said, we spend money that we don't have on things that we don't need to impress people who don't care. Living simply is a sure antidote to living freely. You see, what is good may not always be right. What is right may not be for now. And what is now may not be mine. And I find myself saying that at a toy store a lot these days. So if you're watching this with someone right now, turn to that person and say, you need to lose weight. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> so to run well, number one, run in good company. Your frame of reference will determine your resilience. Number two, take off the weight. What you carry affects your endurance. And number three, do it for joy. Cultivate the habit of anticipating joy. In verse 2, we read, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice how Jesus endured the cross. It was a criminal's death, but He endured it for the joy set before Him. And we often think of motivation as something that comes from doing something with joy, right? But what if the key to motivation is to do it for joy? What if godly motivation has more to do with anticipating joy than enduring pain? It wasn't the cross itself that motivated Jesus. Jesus was motivated for something bigger, a joy that gave him purpose for the cross. Every worthy goal has within it an enduring and expectant joy. Uh, Jacinta and I started dating when we were in university. And it was a long-distance relationship in a time when Skype had just been released. So we got the buggy version, the first version of video calls. And Jacinta, being the romantic, she would always write um, and post handwritten letters. Sometimes she would slip in an autumn leaf uh, into the envelope. And I'd always take a sniff of the envelope, imagining her perfume, only to realize it was just the pilot gel ink I was smelling. Then one day in her final year at university, 
Jacinta told me that she had collected enough airline travel miles simply from flying to the US for the past three years to pay for, for part of the flight for me to fly over. But I need to pay for the rest of the flight. And I was a really poor student, so I knew that I needed to get a, a job. And so I went for a car washing job for the rest of my entire semester break. And for two months, I washed and scrubbed cars to earn enough money to pay for the flight. And I remember dreading on many days the smells that would greet me every time I went into a car to vacuum it or whenever I caught a whiff of that potent polished cream. But there was a joy set before me. It wasn't what I was currently experiencing that was mostly dreadful but it was the person on the other side of the flight I was saving up for. I was doing it for the joy of seeing Jacinta again. And that anticipation was much more motivating than the endurance of bad smells. And one day, I did see her, and yes, I thought she smelled nice. Joy is not a feeling, but a focus. It's not the result of our circumstances, but the resolve of our character. As Jesus endured the cross for us, he anticipated the coming joy of his endurance. For Jesus, joy was a focus that gave purpose to his pain, not a feeling that depended on the absence of pain. And this year, as you attempt new challenges, as you face present fears, as you endure old battles, you can find endurance not by waiting for the joy of the task to come, but anticipating the joy of the task completed. You don't need to wait to build endurance to face challenges. You build endurance through facing the challenges. Endurance is what you grow along the run, not what you get at the starting line. So number four, finally, fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Run with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. In verse 3, the writer writes, Consider him who endured such opposition, referring to Jesus who suffered scorn, humiliation, torture, and ultimately death on the cross for us. Now, did you know that when a plane is flying, the pilot is off course 90% of the time? Imagine with me that you're taking a trip on an airplane, maybe after washing cars for two months, and the pilot has a clear destination in mind. He has set a target, he has set a trajectory on how to get there. The plane takes off, the journey begins. But in fact, the plane is off course by at least 90% of the time. The flight path isn't direct. Where the conditions, winds, and land terrain cause it to go, go off track. And every now and then, feedback is given to the pilot who then makes course corrections and keeps returning to the flight plan to take the plane back on course. And somehow, the plane arrives on time at the exact destination planned for. Why is that possible? Leave on time, arrive on time, and yet, off course 90% of the time. But we know, of course, that this happens in most of our flights because what you fix your sight on is infinitely more important than getting it correct 100% of the time. So Hebrews reminds us that you don't have to worry when you do go off course, as indeed you might at times this year. You can fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the hope of our endurance. He's the author of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. And he will finish what he started. You know, the Christian faith is not try harder, but trust and surrender. Jesus says, you don't have to bear the weight of what you have to do for me, but stand on the strength of what I have done for you. 
And when we fix our focus on Jesus, we recenter to the one who not only designed the race and won the race, but also runs the race with us. When we fix our focus on Jesus, we remember the one who sits at the right hand of the throne of God, who is not surprised by any of our trials. But there is one more reason why you will always endure if you fix your eyes on Jesus. You see, we can fix our eyes on Jesus because He first set His focus on us. You were the joy set before Him. His love for you is higher, longer, deeper, and wider than the scorn and shame He faced for you. And today, you can receive this joy as well. Amen. So why don't, wherever we are, we raise our hands as an act of surrender, the Christian faith. It's not about trying harder, but about trust and surrender. And let's pray this simple ancient prayer that says, come Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. And as we wait in the silence of your heart, you can pray, Lord, at this new year, I welcome you, come Holy Spirit. Amen.